Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. I'm your host, Alex Crook. Alongside me, the former Charlton, Ipswich and Crystal Palace midfielder, Darren Ambrose and TalkSport's Kwaku Afari as we look back on a blockbuster FA Cup fourth round weekend. Coming up, we'll be unpacking the best of the fourth round, including Liverpool's defeat against Brighton on the South Coast. Wrexham so close to causing another FA Cup giant killing against Sheffield United. Plus, big wins for Manchester United and Manchester City in the battle of the top two. We'll also be rounding up the latest transfer rumours ahead of Tuesday's window slamming shut. This is the Game Day podcast on TalkSport. As I said, the two best teams in the country right now going head-to-head. It's Manchester City versus Arsenal. Plays it back for Ake! 1-0 to Manchester City. Kelechi Iheanacho gives Leicester a second-half lead. Job done for Jesse Marsh and Leeds. They've won at Accrington by three goals to one. That is a brilliant solo goal! Tom Kearney! Gets Fulham back on level terms. It's into the fifth round for a third season in a row for the Saints. And Grimsby have come straight back into it. Harry Clifton, the goal scorer. Danjuba scores on his debut. And Spurs are in round five. Fred just flicks it on beyond Lumley and into the bottom corner and puts Manchester United surely into round five of the FA Cup. And Mitoma races away in celebration and Brighton have done it to Jurgen Klopp's team again in stoppage time. These are the occasions that make this wonderful competition what it is. In the fifth minute of stoppage time, Egan coming around the back. And Wrexham's Achilles heel of defending set pieces brutally exposed at just the wrong moment. One of the best cup ties you'll see this season. Wrexham 3, Sheffield United 3. Well, not too many surprises in the FA Cup fourth round, and this one probably doesn't even count as a shock. Brighton for the second time in a matter of weeks, coming out on top against Jurgen Klopp's beleaguered Liverpool. I guess the big question, guys, is where does Jurgen Klopp go from here? I don't know. I think it, it, people have to question Jurgen Klopp for me now. I think um, he, the reason I say this, he's a fantastic manager and I've always said you've got to back these managers, particularly when they've taken the club so far. But he has seen the decline of this team over the last year or two years. Uh, listen, I'm, I say that, in the, especially this season. Last season, they were two games away from winning all four trophies. So the last year, he's kind of seen it happening. But he's been so loyal to his team. He's been so... Uh, he's stuck by all the players, only signing Cody Gakpo, of course, uh, who is not really hitting the ground running. But let's not take nothing away from Brighton. They were sensational once again, as they have been all season. But I think a real lack of confidence um, when Henderson's not involved. Looks like a real lack of leadership at the moment, especially with Van Dijk being out. But he has to take some responsibility for this now. And he's getting snappy in, in his interviews. And, and you understand that because the pressure's on him. But he's seen this happening, in, particularly this season. So, yeah, I think some of the blame has to go on, on Jurgen Klopp. Kwaku, he did suggest in the build-up to the game that if he hadn't had the career at Liverpool that he has, then maybe his job uh, would be under threat. There's no indication from the owners that is the case. But uh, a Liverpool fan starting to get a bit frustrated because they're out of both domestic cups. They've got no chance in terms of the title race. And it's hard to make a case for them going deep in the Champions League as well. 
Well, that's it. And Ambrose brought up the fact that they got... To, they were in the whisk of winning all the trophies last season. But he's got enough credit in the bank for his job to be safe. And I don't... Liverpool are not a trigger-happy club. They're not a Chelsea. They will give him as long as he wants, really. I think it's more of a case of he walks away from the job than he gets sacked by Liverpool. But if you look at this team, you look at the midfield that started against Brighton in the FA Cup, there's no wonder with the bookies, Brighton were the favourites. And it's incredible to think that, based on what Liverpool did last season, getting to, getting to the last stages of all the competitions and winning two trophies, winning FA Cup holders and going out of a whimper against Bryson and Matoma ran ran their right back mm. ragged but it's a case of Liverpool have not looked themselves this whole season and the game against Brighton in the FA Cup which is another evidence of Liverpool not being where they need to be if you look at the teams that have succeeded in this season you look at Man City you look at Arsenal they've got bite they've got a bit of something about them Liverpool haven't got anything about mm. them and I think when I saw them hey, against Chelsea um, in the midday kickoff a couple of weeks ago that really told me where they were at because we know how bad Chelsea have been this season and Liverpool were worse than them so yeah. it's going to be difficult for them to pull it back but Jurgen Klopp's got enough credit in the bank to kind of turn it around next season but this season seems like a write off I mean this is by no means me saying that Jurgen Klopp's in trouble or he, he, he's, he needs to do more to keep his job as Kraku said and I agree he will walk away other than getting sacked no, no question about it. he's he's done so much for that club but I just question because he's such an elite manager he's seen it happening and now, then I'm questioning is it him is it the back is it the the owners are they backing him enough only signing Cody Gakpo this this window at the moment it's not really good enough don't take away losing Mane was absolutely huge and they've not replaced him and I think that's the only question mark I have over Jurgen Klopp but as Quaker said he's got enough enough time and money in the bank there to, to turn this around not so much losing Mane but also lavishing Mo Salah with that huge contract making him the highest paid player in Anfield history at least he managed a shot on target in this game which is more than he has been doing but I mean he, so far he isn't justifying that price tag I'm not suggesting this is another Aubameyang Arsenal situation, but what's gone wrong with Mo Salah? There's, there is something to be said, and I think there is something in that. If you look at players who are due for contract renewals at the moment, Marcus Rashford's in the, in the form of his life. He's, he's expecting a big contract at the end of the season, maybe even during the season. Mo Salah got that contract, and maybe there's a little bit of complacency there. He lost his wingmate in terms of Sadio Mane, but that's no excuse for the lack of form that we've seen from Mo Salah, who has been consistently one of the best players in the Premier League for the last five years. Mm-hmm. Things aren't going right for Liverpool. You can't just pin it on one player or you can't just pin it on the manager. It's a culmination of a lot of things. And I think a little bit of complacency as well. We saw them in the summer, heavily linked with Jude Bellingham, didn't go and get him at that moment in time. If Liverpool don't get Champions League football this season, is Bellingham going to want to come, come to a club that's not playing Champions League mm-hmm. football? They brought in Artur as a, as a panic buy or panic loan at the end of the window. And it's just not really clicked. If you look at the midfield with Basetic and Thiago and Keita, who started against Brighton, that's not a midfield that wins trophies. That doesn't remind me of the Liverpool, Liverpool team that winning trophies over the last few years. So despite the fact that there are... There are issues at Liverpool. I do back Jurgen Klopp long-term to turn that around, but this season for me is just a complete write-off. Mm-hmm. And Jurgen Klopp coming out after the game and suggesting there won't be any more activity or any activity yeah. this transfer window. Says he's happy with the squad. Not sure that's what Liverpool fans really want to hear. Let's focus on Brighton, though. Yep. Uh, absolutely magnificent season they're having. Probably weren't as good in this game as they were against Liverpool in the league. A lot of noise coming into it about Moises Caicedo. we talk more about him in the transfer chat. Great character, though. Falling behind early, came back, winning the game. Matoma, as Quaker's already said, was electric. Uh, you saw Trent Alexander-Arnold hauled off because he couldn't cope uh, with the Japanese wide man. How much admiration as a former Crystal Palace icon, Darren, do you have for Brighton and Roberto De Zerbi? You know what, I've, I've got to put my neutral head on here. And like you said, I've got this affiliation with, with Palace. But Brighton have been fantastic. And when De Zerbi came in, it was a slow start for him and people were questioning whether he should have been the man to come in and replace Graham Potter. Uh, But he's turned it around absolutely sensationally. And the recruitment just seems to be fantastic. They lost Bissouma, they brought in uh, Caicedo. Um, No doubt if Caicedo ends up leaving as well, they'll have someone else on the back burner ready to come in. And Matoma is a superstar in the making and and I've said this for since the first time I see him Kukurea left and they they brought him on I think they played him left wing back and he um he uh he, he was just sensational and and I thought wow what a replacement he is he's obviously pushed on and as you said Dave Trent Alexander-Arnold a torrid and there was one point he, he he squared him up and he pretended to pass it back put on the burners and just left him and it was no surprise to see him him taken off actually and substituted and Bit of luck with the first goal. I understand that. Lamptey and it's just hit hit Lewis Duncan gone in, but the second goal, there's no luck in that. 
sent Gomez for a hot chocolate in the in the canteen. It was absolutely sensational, and he's got that in the bag, Matoma. I really like that player. It's twice actually that Gomez has been done at that end of the stadium by a Brighton player because in the league game, Danny Welbeck flicked it over his yeah. head at that far yeah. post and scored in that one as well. Uh, really poor tackle from Fabinho on Evan Ferguson. We hope that uh, Ferguson, who's had a magnificent few weeks, is going to be okay after that challenge. But it, it does bring into question uh, the on-field official David Coote. I think he's one of the worst referees in the Premier League at this moment in time. Don't hold back. But also, you know, (laughs) what's going on in the VAR room? Not just there, but it was a really nasty challenge in the game on Saturday night. Uh, Andy Carroll on Christian Eriksen. Eriksen leaves the game on crutches. Now, when I spoke to Howard Webb a few weeks ago for TalkSport, he said to me, we want less VAR intervention. I'm starting to ask now, have they gone too far the other way? Yeah, it's been an overcorrection. It's... It's farcical. In in the in the Liverpool game, there could have been a couple of red cards in the Fabinho tackle. I don't know how you saw in Fabinho's face. He knew that he should have been sent off for the tackle. And the fact that VAR had a look at it, and it's not like subsequently you can go and have a look and and he he might have a free game ban. They've seen it. They said they've yeah. seen it, and it wasn't a red card in their opinion. And just the word on VAR in general, it's it, it's been brought in and it's here to stay. But the reason why people love football is the purity of it. And you go to games because there's so much emotion, so visceral, and it's different to other sports. But if you're going to bring in technology, at least have the common decency to do it properly because we're sitting here waiting for decisions to be made that either aren't being made or they're incorrect and it's just it is farcical and if you're a fan who's paid money to go and watch a game and Brighton are lucky they won that game say they didn't win that game you'd be absolutely fuming if you're a Brighton fan and for, for my money the football is better without VAR it's here to stay but there needs to be a massive correction with it because if it, decisions like this carry on going it brings into question like the credibility of results the credibility of officials and that's not what you want to be talking about mm-hmm. when you watch a football match justice prevailed for me and Brighton getting the win at the end because it was horrendous that challenge Make no and he knew it Fabinho it. didn't he, he expected to he see did. the red card of course he did it was one of those I think it was a, a little bit he saw red mist and he just went for it and as he done it he, he regretted it you could see immediately how the officials on the field didn't see that was a red card is is bad enough but as you said then VAR and they didn't overturn that horrendous decision and some I think res- retrospective action needs to be taken on the fi- officials today because to get that so wrong and Canata he could have got a red card as well um, to get that so wrong was horrendous and like you said hopefully Ferguson is okay it was good to see Tarek Lamptey uh, back out there and playing well as well because he's had uh, a pretty difficult time since that long injury layoff. There was talk of uh, other clubs coming in for him this window. I think, like Caicedo, Brighton want to keep Lamptey in the building. So Brighton uh, march into round five. The holders, Liverpool, crash out at the fourth round stage. They're live on TalkSport 2 next Saturday as they take on Wolverhampton Wanderers. Interesting to see uh, what kind of reaction we get from Liverpool to that exit. Elsewhere on Sunday, Wrexham, the lowest team left in the competition, were moments away from another championship scalp as they played out a thrilling 3-3 draw at home to 10-man Sheffield United. What a game this was. Yeah, incredible. And the thing is, Wrexham at home has been very good this season. There's a reason why they're top of the National League. Obviously, all the attention um, was going to be on their on their A-list the owners, but the, on the pitch, they definitely delivered and disappointed to concede that goal in the last minute, but definitely proud of what they did against championship high flyers in Sheffield United. And hopefully, when it goes to Bramwell Lane, Wrexham can get the result because we've lacked giant killings in this year's FA Cup. Lovely moment for, for Paul Mullin as well in the yep. week that he came out and said that his son had been diagnosed with autism. He was one of the goal scorers. Looked at one stage like it would be the winning goal yeah. before John Egan sport the party. Yeah, I felt for him. I, I felt for them as well, not getting, not having that as the winning goal. Uh, and Phil Parkinson, the manager, f- former manager of mine, actually looked really disappointed at the end. And he would be because they conceded such a, a loss, a, a late goal. But more so because it was, it, they, I think they deserved it. I think they deserved to be competing at that level. I think seventy odd places um, a difference between them in in their positions in their domestic leagues. But um, yeah, I, I, it was a proper cup tie. I really, I thoroughly enjoyed that that match. And uh, hopefully, the the replay live, lives up to that again. Yeah, Wrexham, no doubt, will take a big contingent to Bramall Lane. Daniel Jebison sent off for the Blades for a petulant kick in the second half. I don't think it'll be long until we see Wrexham back in the EFL. Let's hear from their manager, Darren Ambrose, mentioned him there. Phil Parkinson, he spoke to TalkSport immediately after the draw. Phil, you've just played against a side and gone toe-to-toe second in the Championship. They're going well this year. Just how proud are you of the squad? Oh, incredibly, incredibly. You know, the... The change, changes we had to make, you know, disrupted us a little bit. But uh, listen, I, 
honestly, the, the, some of the calm quality we showed as well. You know, obviously we got the long throw and the set plays were a threat, but I, I still feel we've got to give the lads a lot of credit for the composure in possession today because this was a big day for our football club. It was a big day for a lot of the players live on TV. Uh, a, a, you know, a massive audience watching today's game, but I thought we handled it really well, and that bodes well for the future. What, what did that feel like walking out? How satisfying was that? I mean, as a stand here now, it's slightly mixed because we, we've conceded late and, and, and we should have seen the game through. But yeah, like I said, as the night wears on, um, you know, I'm sure I will have a lot more positiveness in, in my mind than, than negatives because you know the lads have given everything. But it's not just about giving everything; it's playing with quality and, and courage to play. And uh, I thought we showed that today. Absolutely showed courage. But when the game did start and you went one goal down. Two key players coming off the field. You must have thought we were in for a long night here. Without doubt, you know we had to, to rejig things around. And like I said, a lesser team, a lesser team could have got beat four or five nil today. Um, but I never doubted that we'd respond at half time. I can honestly tell you now, I felt I felt strongly that we'd get back in the game. Last year, Phil, when we spoke, you said you wanted to bring the good times back to Wrexham. Tonight felt like it. Just a word on the fans and just how proud of you of the club as an overall. Now, listen, the atmosphere was amazing today, and the FA Cup is about creating memories. And um, you now we've tried to do that today. We did it at Coventry, and it was just an incredible atmosphere today, and a great occasion to be a part of it. And um, you know, I hope every supporter, Wrexham support, that I know they've seen their team play with heart, and uh, you know that's important to our support. That was Phil Parkinson reacting to Wrexham three, Sheffield United three. Let's get stuck into some of the weekend's other big FA Cup talking points as part of Talk Sports wall-to-wall coverage. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Manchester United 3, Reading 1 was how it finished at Old Trafford. Casemiro, uh, the star of the show. Two very different goals. The first, a lovely dink over the oncoming goalkeeper. The second, just a precise finish into the corner. I know it's only Reading Quaker. I can see you chomping at the bit to tell me that. But is Casemiro fast becoming the most important name on the Manchester United team sheet? 100%. And I think you could kind of tell that from Arsenal fans' reaction when he got sent off or we got the booking against Fulham, how happy Arsenal fans were. That tells you how important Casemiro was because that meant he missed the Arsenal game and uh, that's again Arsenal went on to win and it would have been a very different story if Casemiro played that game. He's so important. And I have to hold my hands up. I was on record in saying this reminds me of a Schweinsteiger kind of sign. He was the same age when you brought in Schweinsteiger I thought he was a player that maybe a little bit past it but he's transformed this whole Manchester United team and the game against Man City I know that he got a brace against Redden that's the game we should be talking about but it's just other games of season where he's really lit it up and against Man City where you you had that comeback and you turned the game around you had players like Marcus Rashford who people have written off starting you had Martial starting you had Juan Bissaka and you had Luke Shaw what's changed the only thing that's really changed is that Casemiro's in that midfield and he's been transformative like you saw him talking to Roy Keane um, after the game and he's kind of playing that role for 
Man United. He's not only doing stuff defensively, but going forward with that brace. He's he's such a good player and he's oozes class. He just drops into the right positions. And I'm really, really a fan of what he's doing this season for Manchester United. And without him, this United team looked very, very different. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. He's the key. He is the key to the turnaround in form for Manchester United. When he first arrived, there was a lot of question marks over him. I mean, I, for one, didn't question him. I'm just going to put that out there. You didn't I, call him a steady Eddie. I, I thought, no, absolutely not. And I know who you're referring to, and I'm not going to say a thing. But I, I, I thought, with the Frankie de Jong situation, I thought, wow, you've gone and got Casemiro. That's a better signing, in my opinion. And it turns out, we don't know how de Jong would have done. Turns out Casemiro has been fantastic. A couple of goals, took them both really well but along along with Ericsson I think it's been the key to the 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 turn in form Martinez has done great at the back as well but yeah it was a it was a convincing win Reading offered very little really towards uh, the whole game um, apart from the goal so I think it was 78% possession maybe Manchester, in Manchester United favour I was gutted for Rashford uh, it must be said back, back, about Begos uh, a millimetre offside <laughs> could have broke the record I was not a Manchester United supporter, of course, but I was gutted for Rashford actually because that would have been a a great um, a great record to break actually. Yeah, Rashford would have become the first Manchester United player to score in ten successive Old Trafford games. Uh, didn't quite happen. Uh, latest we have as we record this podcast from United, uh, read the Christian Eriksen injuries that they are still assessing that if he is going to be out for any prolonged period of time. Might that force United into the market this window? Because obviously Donny van der Beek has already been ruled out. Does leave them a bit light in the centre of midfield? It does. Manchester United have shown a different approach, though. They're more considered approach. I know that they brought in Veghorst as a as a must, really. They needed to, to kind of fill that void in terms of a striker that was left by Cristiano Ronaldo. But Man United won't be rushed in this transfer window. If they feel like they can get by without bringing in another centre midfielder, then they will do that. If Eric Ten Hag pinpoints somebody and thinks that they can make this Manchester United team better, then they will do that. It's a very, very different United team to what we've seen from yesteryear. This is a United team that is led by a man that knows what he's doing. He's got a clear idea of what he's doing. So it depends on how serious this injury is and depends on what's out there in the market. Mm. But Ten Hag will not be rushed or forced into making a transfer. Yeah. And Fred came on, showed a bit of Brazilian <laughs> class as well. Good so. finish that. It was Good a finish. brilliant finish. Great little flick between his legs. So, look, Fred could step in there. It depends on how long. Hopefully, Ericsson okay. And it, but it depends how long. I think Fred could sit in there. Paul Lynch seemed to be taken by surprise by the strength of the Manchester United team. I guess in some ways, because they dispatched Forrest so easily in the first leg of that League Cup semi-final, they had the luxury of naming a full-strength team. You'd imagine uh, maybe he might rest one or two for this second leg live on TalkSport on Wednesday. Yeah, I think he will. Uh, I just think he's, for me, he's approaching every game exactly how I would like to see a manager. And obviously you're a United supporter. I'm sure you feel the same. Uh, he's approaching it strongest team. Go out and, and win. He's won the cup tie, in my opinion, against Nottingham Forest. At second leg, he could rest a couple of players. But this game, I love to see the strong team. This is the FA Cup. This is a prestigious trophy in, in English football and British football. So I was pleased to see uh, the, the team be so strong and... It was so strong for a reason, and they they demolished Reading, to be honest, and that's because of the team he put out. I wonder if we might see Jaden Sancho in that second. They didn't feature, obviously, on Saturday. Uh, Eric Ten Hag has been talking about uh, physical issues and, and maybe mental issues as well. How do you assess that situation, Quaker? It's, it's a difficult one if we don't have the, all the details in terms of what's actually going on with Jaden Sancho. We know that he's going through it at the moment. So hopefully we see him back on the pitch sooner rather than later because at his best, he's one of the most exciting British players we have. Um, yeah. But he hasn't been at his best at Manchester United for, for a multitude of reasons that maybe he has to shoulder and also the fact that structurally Manchester United weren't in the right place when he first came in. Um, but Jaden Sancho is a player that's got enormous talent. But if you now look at his Man United team, they're ticking without him. There's players, there's young players that are coming in and doing jobs. Garnacho looks really good. He had a cameo appearance um, and he came on. He looked he looked lively and he's doing things that we expected Jaden Sancho to do. But just off the back of what you're saying in terms of Manchester United playing the strongest team, you love to see it. And I think you saw it when Klopp first came in to Liverpool in 2015. They got to two cup finals that year, the League Cup final and the Europa League final. They lost both of them, but it was important to instill that winning mentality. And Eric Ten Hag's not taking any competition lightly. Six years are too long for Manchester United to have not won the trophy. 2017 was the last time he won the Europa League. I think that he wants to get a trophy on the board this season. He's got a very good chance in the in the Carabao Cup. You're basically through to the final already. Um, and in the FA Cup, it's, it's a prestigious trophy for Manchester United, in my opinion, historically haven't won enough. 
So he he's he's going to take this very seriously. And I think from between now and the end of the season, you're going to see Manchester United play strong teams in all competitions because they are what the only team in the country fighting on all four fronts. Mm. Um, the squad might not be as deep as maybe City's or or, or Chelsea's, but he knows his strongest eleven and he knows that they they're good enough to get results against anybody in the league. Look how happy he is. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just I'm drinking in, but you're right. Actually, United haven't won the FA Cup since Louis Van Gaal uh, was manager. They reached the final, uh, lost to Chelsea a couple of years later. But I think when you look at the number of Premier League teams who've gone out now, they will see this as a, a big opportunity. I love the fact the United fans have changed the words uh, from the Ronaldo song to Ganacho um, as well. Very witty on their part. I want to talk about Andy Carroll very briefly. I described him as an embarrassment on Twitter on Saturday night. Seemed determined to get himself sent off. I mentioned the, the poor tackle on Ericsson. What was he thinking? I don't think he was thinking, to be honest. I think he just had a rush of blood both times as well. The the, the second one when he slid in, I thought was horrendous as well. That could have caused serious damage. I just think sometimes you... you Andy Carroll, big signing for Liverpool, always known, playing for England. You come up against Manchester United, you want to prove that you're still that player. And I think he just went way, way too far. And I agree, horrendous challenges. And, and like we said, hope hope Christian Eriksen's OK. Yeah, news on that, uh, no doubt, in the next few days on Talk Sport. The Saturday tea time offering was Preston nil, Tottenham 3. A uh, bit of joy at last for Darren Ambrose <laughs> and Antonio Conte and Son. Uh, two goals for him, the first an absolute corker. Yeah. What will that do for his confidence? Can he kick on now? Because it's not been a vintage season, has it, for Son? It's not, no. But, I mean, last season was vintage. Last season was fantastic. And then he didn't even get a team of the season, team in the Premier League. So, it, the confidence must have taken a little bit of a knock. Are you over, saying he's been rubbish that? because he didn't get in team of the year? Well, I, I just think he, sometimes your confidence takes a knock. You start the season, you're questioning, were you that good last season? Although... Listen, he's an absolute legend at Spurs. Everyone loves him. He's, he's such a seems a great guy. Seems a guy that would be a great teammate. He had a few chances before, a few long range efforts. I think Freddie Woodman kept them out, but he was he was on his game yesterday. He did look tired towards the end of the game. So I, I think this is taken it out of him, maybe mentally as well, that he's not been on form. But we see the hat trick that he scored a, 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 kind of six eight weeks ago, and he didn't really kick on from that either. So hopefully this does kickstart his career because that's only positive for, for Tottenham. Oh, now Dan Juma tapping in a, a debut goal as well. Harry Kane left in reserve. I wonder now with the options that Spurs have up front, could Antonio Conte be tempted to rest Harry Kane a bit more? He'd played in every game since Conte was manager before this one at Deepdale. Yeah, and that's been the issue of Harry Kane over the last few seasons. Spurs over-reliance on him. And with a player that good, you're always going to rely on his goals. And with Son dipping in form this season, you've been even more reliant on Harry Kane to provide the goals for Spurs. But Dan Juma looked sharp when he came on. Yeah. Um, obviously, Crookie, you've, you've, you've probably seen him play a lot more than other people. He, but he was uh, Bournemouth's player of the season in 2021. Um, and he looked sharp at Villarreal, kind of falling out of favour this season. But he's a, he's a great addition to Spurs. The fact that he swiped him as well, it's always like a, a bit more affinity to players that you kind of swipe from other clubs and he started his Tottenham career off well and you hope they can kick on because with Spurs Spurs need to kick on as well because they haven't won a trophy for so long we're talking about Man United's trophy drought Spurs haven't won a trophy for how many years now <laughs> it's 15 years now and it's, and it's too it long it feels like 50 <laughs> and you see how this competition's opened up now you see a lot of top teams going out of it yeah. I know City's still in there United are still in there but Spurs have got a great chance and Adding that squad depth will definitely stand in good stead in terms of trying to get a trophy on the board. Well, actually, we were talking to producer Jeremy before we came on air about the fact maybe this is an opportunity for one of the, the, the non-big six clubs to win the FA Cup. And I said, well, it's big five, actually. Uh, because since the turn of the century, you've got Wigan have won it, uh, Leicester uh, have won it, Portsmouth under Harry Redknapp have won it, Tottenham haven't won it. So it's basically been dominated uh, by the other five of the big six. Is this a chance for Spurs, Darren, to get that elusive trophy in the cabinet? Uh, uh, as long as you're in the trophy and still in the hat, there's a chance, of course there is like we've spoken about already Manchester United looked fantastic Man City we're going to speak about they looked good as well I don't think Pep will take this competition lightly depending on what happens in the league but there's a chance Antonio Conte will be desperate if he gets Spurs a trophy it doesn't matter what one it is he would become a, a Spurs legend just, just so they pick it up I'm hoping we get an easier draw but then I mean, the easier draws for Spurs normally end up in a bit of a nightmare performance and a defeat. So who knows? Man City might get Man United in the next round. That would be the the ideal scenario for a Tottenham supporter. I'm hoping we go as far as we can. And I mean, I question the Harry Kane decision. They said he was sick, but then he was on the bench. I'm thinking, did they really want him to break Jimmy Greaves' record? Uh, 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 in, in that game, I don't know. I think maybe they're looking at the Man City game. 
Wow. Okay. Conspiracy theory there from <laughs> Darren Ambrose. Um, I was at Craven Cottage for what was a brilliant cup tie, actually. Fulham won, Sunderland won. Sunderland gifted the early lead. Jack Clark finishing neatly. Uh, Fulham managing to salvage themselves. Really nifty footwork from Tom Kearney, their captain. Good finish as well. They will do it all again at the Stadium of Light. But there were 6,000 Sunderland fans packing uh, the Putney end of the stadium. Something like 28 shots on goal in this game. It was a proper FA Cup tie. Proper FA Cup tie, and even more in the sense that when you see a draw in FA Cup tie, and you know there's going to be a second, uh, there's going to be a second leg, or there's going to be a, a replay, it kind of just adds to the mystique of yeah. the FA Cup, and that's the magic of the FA Cup. But there's, for Sunderland, they they're going well in in the Championship of the first year back at back at that level, and Fulham, we know how well they're doing in the Premier League this season. I think on the on the base of it, a draw is a fair result, but the story of the game, and mm. you were there. 15-year-old, um, oh, so, yeah. so, so close to, yeah. to making history, making FA Cup history, being the youngest scorer in the competition history. Unfortunately, the goal was ruled out, but that would have been the story of the game. But I think on the face of it, a draw was a fair result. Yeah, I felt for the lad, actually, because he celebrated, slid yeah, on his knees in front of those Sunderland fans. I didn't go mad in commentary <laughs> because I spotted straight away the bar had strayed into an offside position. Yeah. I expected the flag to go up, and that was what happened. Uh, Fulham did rest quite a lot of their first-team regulars. Mitrovic came on in the second half. Uh, Harrison Reid came on as well so did Willian uh, no Tim Ream in their defence I wonder now if Marco Silva will be regretting that because probably the last thing that he wanted and Tony Mowbray as well was a replay and the, the opportunity to do it all again yeah of course and um, seeing some of the other big big teams and, and Premier League teams to go out it's an opportunity for every team now to go as far as possible and like Craig who said Fulham's having a great season and they could they could have a nice cup run as well keep the winning mentality good result for, for Tony Mowbray former teammate of mine actually Tony Mowbray well. I was very young and he looked exactly <laughs> the same when he played but great guy and I was I was really pleased for him like you said Kearney was a great feat to, to score the goal and, and Chris Rigg I was I, w- I was devastated for him but welcome to the world of disappointment and VAR because that's what it's going to be if he continues looked a good looked a good talent actually when, from what I see of him so I was just gutted that that didn't count yeah one of my favourite stats of the weekend on the Sunderland bench they had Zach Johnson and Tom Watson. Surely the first time in football history you've had two major golf winners uh, on the same team sheet. Uh, Perry Groves and I quite enjoyed putting the golf pans in at the start of that game. Uh, Accrington 1, Leeds 3. This one was live on TalkSport 2 as well. Leeds into round 5 for the first time since 2016, ending uh, what has become a bit of a hoodoo uh, in the FA Cup. Patrick Bamford, who is uh, looking sharp now since his comeback from injury, uh, Good debut as well for Jorginho Ruter. What did you make of the Leeds performance? Yeah, I, 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 do you know what? Not so much the performance, the players you've just mentioned there. Ruter, listen, Rutter, I'd be pronouncing <laughs> it, but Ruter, Bamford. I think Bamford looked very sharp. Lovely assist. Didn't get on the goal score uh, on the score sheet, so he will be disappointed with that as a as a centre forward. But great assist. But Ruter looked looked sharp. And what I liked about it, they linked really well those two. So it, it looks it's putting Leeds in good stead actually. And as Quaku said many times in in this in this pod that winning breeds confidence and and that's what's happened Leeds have got off to a winning and listen they left the changing room in immaculate state I don't know if you've seen the pictures going around it's a fair play to Jesse Marsh and his men yeah, they were stuck in a bit of a rutter, weren't they, Leeds? There we go. Uh, yeah. Before that game, uh, wins have been hard to come by. Again, could this FA Cup victory kickstart their, their Premier League form? They've got Weston McKenney coming in on loan from Juventus. Looks a, a solid signing. Well, it's interesting with Leeds because... On from the outside point of view, we always feel like Jesse Marsh's job is at risk. But again, Weston McKenney's a player that he knows well. They keep on bringing players that he's yeah. familiar with. So it shows that they're clearly backing him. He now needs to start getting results in the league. Obviously, this is a, a huge result for them in the cup. And the good cup run can always... We saw it with Nathan Jones uh, uh, at Southampton. Like it's A good cup run can definitely save kind of your season, kind of lift up or lift morale. But Jack Harrison's goal, by the way, goal of the, tour, oh, goal of the round. I reckon until Matoma scored. I think that's goal of the round. Absolutely incredible. And long, long suffering producer Jeremy's seen Leeds go through it. And hopefully this can kickstart their season because they are a side that I think people won't like to admit it, but they've got a soft spot, uh, spot for because they are historically a big club. So hopefully this is a, a kickstart to their season. Nobody's got a soft spot for Leeds. Yes, Absolutely <laughs> nobody. A uh, big week ahead for them, though. Forest uh, home at the weekend, then a double header uh, against Manchester United. I've got a ticket actually uh, for the game at Old Trafford. Looking forward to that. Uh, Walsall nil, Leicester one. Wasn't easy for Leicester uh, to see off their EFL opponents, but they came through in the end. Kelechi Iannaccio, 17 goals now in 23 FA Cup appearances, uh, more than any other player since he made his debut in the competition 
in 2016. This was a potential banana skin and one I'm sure that Brendan Rodgers uh, was keen to avoid. Yeah, I was going to say exactly the same thing. This was the one game that I looked at and earmarked and thought, well, we could get a victory for, for Walsall here. The Premier League team could go out, but... 28 shots on goal I think Leicester had um, so they, they dominated the game uh, but it's they still made it difficult missed the penalty by the way I didn't think it was a penalty I, think, I thought it was a dive I think it was Patson Dak I thought he dived so I didn't think that was a penalty at all so justice again prevailed in this game with with Tielemans missing the penalty or hitting the post he looked uh, he looked quite happy about missing <laughs> yeah. it he was smiling and laughing so what that was about but Ian Acho, yeah I mean he needs to take that into, into the league as well because Leicester was struggling a little bit in the league so needs to take that forward but yeah another Premier League team through so you've heard the story of Saturday in the FA Cup fourth round but it got underway here on Talk Sport on Friday night as the top two in the Premier League went head to head Arsenal will hope that another FA Cup meeting with Manchester City will still see a season ending glory but it'll be in the league and not the cup if it is to happen. The Gunners, top of the Premier League, eliminated from the FA Cup, knocked out by their nemesis, Manchester City, who beat them tonight by Golden Hill. Manchester City won, Arsenal nil. Nathan Ake uh, took his winning goal like a seasoned striker. Uh, I guess in the end, Mikel Arteta, Kwaku probably paid the price for making so many changes. It was a very strong Manchester City lineup. Uh, what did you make of the game? It was interesting. It was, it was more cagey than everybody expected. It's a Friday night game under the lights. Everybody, it's the first time these two teams have met the two best teams in the country this season. They didn't really live up to the billing. Um, I'd say the City probably edged it. There was a 15-minute period in the second half where they really asserted their dominance and they got the rewards for it for that goal from Nathan Ake. It looked like a seasoned seasoned striker with yeah. that finish. They just put it in the bottom corner. Um, and City deserved to win it. City take these competitions very seriously despite the fact that Pep comes out in, in, in interviews and says he doesn't care about this trial. If he doesn't care about that trophy, he cares about all trophies. There's a reason why he's the best manager in the world. He wants to win everything possible. And I think Arsenal maybe took it for granted a little bit. They rotated their side. I get it in terms of the position they are in the league, but Arsenal's foundation, the reason why Mikel Arteta is probably still in the Arsenal job is the fact that they won the FA Cup in his first season. It's a trophy that historically they're taken very, very seriously. So to see them rotate their side so much in that game surprised me a little bit, but it's... Arsenal, all their eggs are in the Premier League basket right now. Mm. They're in a prime position. And I think we're going to see rotation from Arsenal in the Europa League going forward. And the fact that they, they, they rotate in the FA Cup kind of tells you where their priorities lie. Mm. First blood then to Manchester City and what is shaping up to be uh, an intriguing trilogy, if you like. The two Premier League games are going to have a massive bearing on who wins the title. Pep Guardiola spoke to our own Hugh Wozencroft uh, after Manchester City's win. And he said the victory has no relevance on the title race. Tight game, really tight and difficult one. That's why it's the, the top of the league. And uh, yeah, I think the second half were better than the first one. The second half, a part of the 10 minutes after the goal, we suffered the impact from, from Bernardo. From the other one was really, really good. And yeah, so satisfied for the, for the game we, we played at the end and go through against this fantastic team. You picked a strong team this evening. Many expected more changes. Was that you showing respect to Mikel Arteta and this Arsenal team? Well, Bernardo didn't play, Kawoka didn't play, Mr. Cancelo didn't play, so... So... If we lose, you will say why he didn't play. So, every manager make the selection I to made. These guys that played today played the last games really, really good and winning games, and that's why... We came from five days rest between games, now have eight, so it's not necessary to rotate and we'll see what happens next. Was it in your mind at all that you wanted to lay down a marker this evening with the, the tightness in the Premier League title race? Different competition. Not, not in your thoughts at all? No. You asked your fans here just over a week ago, the players too, to see more fire, passion, guts, determination, something that you wanted to see in your side. You've had two home games since then. How have you felt that these players have responded to that call? Exceptional. Exceptional. Why, why so good? Because they are so good. Coming up, you've got a game against Tottenham Hotspur away from home. Another tricky uh, match for your match. How much positivity do you take from this evening into that? We have eight days to prepare and I'll have two days off and we start to prepare the game. 
Pep Guardiola there, Darren Ambrose. Do you agree? I mean, based on the fact Arsenal made so many changes, it's difficult really to see this game as any kind of barometer for what's to come in the league games. Uh, absolutely. I thought before the game, before we see the team sheets, I thought this is, psychologically, this is a, a big game for both sides. Uh, I think Pep Guardiola went strong. I love to see that. We've spoken about that with Manchester United. And then Arsenal made a lot of a lot of changes, important changes, I think. Important players, Ramsdale, Martinelli, Odegaard, Ben White, Zinchenko. I think a lot of players that would normally be in the first team. So now I'm thinking it, it does make no difference. It makes no relevance whatsoever. I think that, that Man City got through. Um, they, they they edged it, as Kwaku said. They did edge it, but I don't think there's any relevance. I agree with Pep Guardiola. Arsenal are going to be a, a, a fully changed side in their next game in the Premier League. So um, it's 1-0 to Man City. Arsenal will be looking to turn that around. Whisper it quietly, Kwaku. Erling Haaland had a bit of a nightmare, didn't he? Really poor yeah. performance. He had a bit of a stink. And I think since the uh, resumption of, of league football, or just football in general after the World Cup, he's not looked his best in all games. I know before the Is that break... because he got burnt out in... Ke- no. <laughs> leave, <laughs> leave him alone. He's a man who scored so yeah. many goals already this season. He's only got 25 Premier yeah, yeah. But, but the thing is, it's, it's glaring with him because if he's not scoring goals, then he's not really doing too much. So when City aren't necessarily ticking or at their fluid best, then he doesn't look amazing. He's, of course, he's a phenomenal footballer and we expect him to go on to break multiple records this season. But I think... There's, there's the settling in period that's going on with Massey and Erlen Haaland and they haven't quite got it ticking yet. They don't see the runs as quickly as he would like, don't play the balls as fast as he would like. But we know how lethal he is and you give him a few chances, he's going to score a goal. He, he missed a few. I think he might have been suffering from a little bit of concussion as well. He did go down with a head injury and he didn't look the same after that. But he's a player that we know his talents, we know his quality and sometimes you just have that as a top player. You know that, Darren. That, I mean, steady. <laughs> Would he? Who have I been watching? Um, he did play alongside <laughs> Darren Ben. <laughs> to, to be honest, this is, if, if, if they lost the game but Mikhail Arteta can look at a positive, they kind of know or they've seen how to keep Erling Haaland quiet so potentially they can take that into the next play game. Play Rob Holding, is that what you're or suggesting? Play a similar style and stop the, the service and that's what they They stopped the source and the service coming in. But I, I think, as we spoke about, Nathan Ake's goal was fantastic but not a lot has been made of Jack Grealish's part in that goal. That was because he could have easily set it back to the fullback. He could have easily tried to get a left foot shot on. He bided his time and he lovely reverse ball, but that the lovely finish. But who was there at the back post to tap it in if the goalie had parried it off at the post? Haaland. Yeah. He's always there and that's why he will always score goals. I think he's just starting to, to come alive, Jack Grealish. It's taken a while yeah. in a Manchester City shirt, but he looks much more comfortable now. Delighted uh, for Nathan Ake. Great pro, uh, good lad. And I think as, as well as his goal, he's playing very well defensively for Manchester City as well and Leandro Trossard I think had a decent debut for Arsenal down that left hand side yeah decent cameo and that's what you need when you're a side chasing these trophies in Arsenal you need competition Mm. Um, Martinelli and Saka have known that their starting places in this side are guaranteed but now Trossard's come in he looked looked live he looked good obviously he did come off in that game but there is now competition for places and now when you see Martinelli come off the bench he's got a bit more bite a bit more vim about him Um, and Trossard looked decent he's he's a good Premier League player and if you look at if you look at the way that Arsenal have approached it under Mikel Arteta in terms of bringing in players they're normally Premier League proven players. If you look at Zinchenko, Gabriel Jesus, um, Ben White, Trossard, they're players that that he's seen firsthand in the Premier League and Trossard is just one of those and we know he's going to settle in straight away. There's no settling in period at all. Um, and I think he looked good. I think he's going to be a great addition to Arsenal this season. Trossard, one of the big stories of this transfer window so far, but what more can we expect between now and 11 o'clock on Tuesday? Yeah. Moises Caicedo filled plenty of column inches, plenty of airtime as well over the course of the weekend. I was fielding calls and, and messages watching my boys play football on Saturday morning. I was barely off the phone. We know that Caicedo uh, was asked by Brighton to stay away from the training ground until the window has closed. That was after uh, quite a provocative social media post on Friday night, basically begging to be allowed to leave. I don't think Tony Bloom is going to sanction this deal uh, and I think actually the way that Caicedo and his advisors have gone about it may just have strengthened Brighton's resolve. Yeah, they're looking at player power, I feel, Caicedo, and we've seen it happen before. And potentially we could see it happen again, depending what Arsenal, whether they return, whether Chelsea, Todd Bowley gets his Monopoly money out and starts throwing it at him. <laughs> Who knows? So you could see him leave. I, I, I think it's very unlikely. You know more than I, being the South Coast correspondent as you are, you'll know a lot more than I do about this situation but 
we're more than likely going to see him stay. But I just don't think it's a healthy situation for anyone. I don't like what he done on social media. I think that was wrong, or him and his advisors. Um, but I don't think hiding him away is helping helping the cause at all. If he's staying, he has to get his head right, and maybe have played him in the game today and said, right, you're staying. You're with your Brighton player. Don't hide him away unless there's something on the horizon that they're working towards. Um, we've seen it before. Tony Bloom don't take no prisoners. He, he If he wants the money, he's going to get the money up front. And it's, he has to. It's their player. They own him. If Whatever they want. I think £60 million is a lot of money um, for Caicedo. They've obviously rejected that. So they want more. Not played many games for, for Brighton. So I just feel... I think this could happen. I really do. I think stop holding him prisoner and let him leave. Stop holding him prisoner. <laughs> I mean, I know you're trying to get a reaction from me there, but what wound me up a lot was some of the coverage of this story and some journalists who've clearly been fed by the agent saying it's not fair to value Caicedo at this amount of money. There's been players more experienced, more potential who've gone for far less. That's none of their business, quite frankly. If Brighton have a valuation, then unless a club meets that valuation, they're entitled to reject offers. That's just the way of the world. I mean, if you put your mansion up for sale, Darren Ambrose, for £2 million, you're not going to accept 500000 are you? <laughs> it, it's, it's a, he sullied the situation because there's we understand the players want to leave and players want to go and progress in their careers, but there's a way about Worry about doing it. You don't go and post something on social media that clearly wasn't even written by him. It was probably written by his agent. Mm. Uh, and as soon as I was reading the comments to, to that post and you just see Brighton fans immediately turn on them. I don't know if there's really a way back for him. I know that I know that you don't believe he's going to go in this transfer window, but I just don't see how he can come and play for Brighton again, especially with the fees that are being banded about for somebody who's played 21 games in all competitions mm. for Brighton, 16 plus mil. For the, the fees in the Premier League at the moment are absolutely ridiculous. But Caicedo's clearly a good player. He's clearly going to play it a higher level but if you look at the way that Alexis McAllister somebody who should have an ego off the back of winning the World Cup and performing very very well for Brighton this season he hasn't gone about it in this way he's 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 made it perfectly clear he's happy to be at Brighton and what happens happens I don't expect him to be there beyond the summer but he's not going on social media and posting that he he should be let free he's not being held hostage by Brighton they're paying his wages he, they value him a certain fee and if a club doesn't match that fee then he has to stay at the club he's just not gone about it in the best way but he's clearly a player that he wants out and we'll just have to see what happens I, I don't see how he can stay at Brighton though mm. Okay, Sado is one saga that will rumble on no doubt into the final hours of the window one saga uh, that has been closed is that of Anthony Gordon on Sunday, Newcastle announcing he'd completed his £45 million move to St James's Park. We understand at TalkSport he signed a four and a half year contract with an extra year's option. Seems big money for a player who, when you look at his stats, Darren Ambrose, hasn't really justified the hype. Are they are they buying potential here, Eddie Howe and Newcastle United? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, they, they are. Now, we... <laughs> I don't know if it was official or if it actually happened, but there was talks and rumours of a £60 million move to, to Chelsea a little while back. And I was surprised that that didn't go through if that money what we've spoken about was true. So 40... And I like this about Everton, similar to why I don't I don't mind what uh, Tony Bloom and Brighton are doing. They wanted a figure and they said, you have to pay this figure up front or you don't get him. So Newcastle paid it. I like the signing more for potential and more because of Eddie Howe's track record of improving players. And I think that's what Eddie Howe's looking at. He's, he's not prolific, as you said. He's not a prolific. He don't assist that many uh, at the moment. But he has got that potential. You've seen him score goals. You've seen him the way he assists. He works extremely hard. And I think that's what Eddie Howe probably initial he looked at the, how hard he works he, he high press and uh, the situation at Everton got a bit sour towards the end and with the, the supporters confronting him in his car so I, I like this signing just because I think Eddie Howe out of most managers in the league will get the best out of Anthony Gordon yeah I completely agree and I think it's the Eddie Howe factor um, in terms of Let's, let's not forget that when he was the Bournemouth manager, people were talking about him being an offensive coach and he couldn't really coach a team defensively. So if you give him a player like, with Anthony Gordon, who's got so much upside and so much potential, I think he's going to be a perfect fit at Newcastle. Like I said, uh, he works hard. He's he's a player that, like you say, things went sour for him at Everton. He'd been accosted by fans after the Southampton mm. game. Unnecessary. So I can see from his point of view why he'd want to leave and start again and start for a team that 
potentially could be playing Champions League football next season. So I, the, the move makes sense from all fronts. The fee kind of makes sense as well. If you look at the current market, how much players are going for, we talked about Casado going for 60 plus million. Anthony Gordon is British. He's got that kind of British tax that you have to pay for young English players. So it makes sense. I think it's going to be a success in Newcastle, personally. And what it will do is enable Sean Dyche, the new Everton manager, to spend money probably between now mm-hmm. and Tuesday. Just give us your thoughts, Darren Ambrose, on on Dyche and uh, whether he can keep Everton in the Premier League. Is that the right choice? Absolutely. He certainly can keep Everton in the Premier League. He's not going there to get a relegation. Absolutely not. I, I really like Sean Dyche as a manager. I thought he'd done a great job at Burnley. I thought he's 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 bided his time to get back into the game. I think and he's picked the right club. I think Everton are huge. If they go down, Sean Dyche is the perfect man to get them back up. And I think that's what the powers that be at Everton have looked at as well. Just in case it does go, the worst happens and they go down, he will get them back up. But I think they've given themselves every opportunity with this appointment. I, I really like Sean Dyche as a manager. Quick word, Kwaku, on your beloved Chelsea. Uh, no doubt they'll have uh, £100 million signing uh, in their miss by the time the transfer window closes. Could it be Enzo Fernandez? Because I got a message on Sunday morning suggesting that maybe there is still legs in Fernandez to Chelsea. Who knows with Chelsea? It's, it's just a case of wait and see. Um, any football club or any fan of a football club would like, love their owners to be as ambitious as Todd Bowley's being. I know that the, the fees being banned about are, are a bit ridiculous in terms of how much Chelsea are paying for players, especially because of the Mudrick deal. But I like the way that Chelsea are going about business in terms of the players they're targeting, the age range of players and the amount of upside they've got as well. So you look at Chelsea bringing in Mudrick and they brought in Malagusto, uh, the new fullback. Chelsea are going about it in a systematic way, which I think is a slightly different to the summer where you saw Chelsea bringing players like Kaladu Kulabali, mm. bringing in Kukurella, that are players that I don't necessarily think Chelsea scouted, players that other teams were interested in and Chelsea came and sw- swooped in. Whereas now you see Badia Shield that Chelsea brought in, like I said, Mudrik, Gusto. They're players that maybe are not on the radars of all clubs, but they can grow at Chelsea and become real Chelsea players or Ch- Chelsea stalwarts. So I know that people want to criticise Chelsea and the daggers are out for Chelsea at the moment because of the money spent, but I like it. Why would you not? Uh, remember, the TalkSport website is the best place to stay up to date with all of the big deals between now and the transfer window closing on Tuesday. The live transfer blog is really recommendable. And myself, Jim White and Simon Jordan uh, will be on air from 10 o'clock on Tuesday as the window slams shut for a special on Talk Sport. That's all we have time for for today. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday looking ahead to another huge weekend of Premier League football, including Fulham against Chelsea and Manchester City taking on Spurs. This has been the Game Day podcast from Talk Sport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.